I went into this one restaurant. Uh, I didn't have my makeup on. I had my pajamas on. I was tired. And they looked at me like, oh my God, what are you, what are you doing in here? Ew. I like doing experiments like this, social experiments. So I went in the next day with my hair up, makeup all together. I had uh, my nice coat on, my nice clothes, my nice shoes. And I went in there looking all sparkly and whatnot. And um, as soon as I walked in, Hello, how can we help you? What can I do for you? And I thought, oh, you didn't speak to me yesterday. You were quite rude to me yesterday. Oh, oh that was you? <laughs> yeah, that was me. <laughs> and I, I look like a totally different person, but that was me, honey. You know, so that's why I'm going to send more black right. women to Italy. So I'm going to be like, no, no, we're here. Yeah. We're here. Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Gina as the guest. Uh, now, as I mentioned at the end of last episode, Gina is the second of three black women whom I've had the pleasure of speaking to recently who either have started or are preparing to start initiatives to help more students of color afford to study abroad. Uh, so last episode, I had Aaliyah with Diverse International Women of Color, her scholarship program there. And this episode, I have Gina with Gina International Travel Organization, which is a nonprofit that she is currently developing, which will give travel grants to women for educational or research purposes. Um, now, when I spoke to her, she was running into some logistical issues and getting the nonprofit set up, but she has since let me know that things are going much more smoothly now, and so that's really exciting news. I look forward to seeing when she is able to start helping women in the way that she wants to. Uh, speaking of which, at the end of last episode, I think I misspoke and said that uh, Gina's travel grant program would be geared specifically toward women of color. Um, it's actually open to women of all backgrounds, uh, but Gina wants to prioritize women who have limited access or limited resources to uh, opportunities such as study abroad, and also um, as a black woman from Chicago who has had some very particular experiences uh, as a black woman who has lived, who's living abroad and who has traveled very frequently, um, obviously giving other or helping to give other black women the same chances that she's had uh, is something that's very close to her heart so uh, just something to remember also uh, speaking of traveling abroad and living abroad uh, Gina became kind of infatuated with <laughs> uh, South Korea and Korean culture when she was in high school which then evolved into her studying abroad in South Korea and then moving to South Korea, where she's lived for the past five years as a teacher. And in fact, I made her acquaintance in a Facebook group called Brothers and Sisters of South Korea. So <laughs> Gina is very much all about Korea, uh, loves it there, um, even with its ups and downs, which you'll hear her talk about. Um, but she also just loves traveling in general. She's been to almost 30 countries now and has been to all but one continent. And she just wants to make uh, those types of experiences possible for as many other women as she can. So she talked a lot to me about her life in Korea, 
her uh, some other travel stories and also what her um, her vision is her passion for Gina International Travel Organization so uh, I hope you enjoy it and without further ado sit back relax and enjoy my interview with my friend Gina Williams so why don't we get started with you introducing yourself if you don't mind Oh my god, it's like a job interview. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the feeling I was trying to go for. I just... <laughs> yeah, this is really official, which is a good thing, actually. Um, okay, so my name is Regina, but most probably Gina. Uh, I've been teaching in Korea for, uh, this is my fifth year uh, teaching in Korea. This is my first year teaching only children. So it's pretty interesting. Um, I am obsessed with traveling. I have gone to about 29 countries, not including my home country. That doesn't count. Um, but uh, I'm at a point in my life where um, I think I've received like so many marvelous opportunities to travel and see the world. And uh, I wanted to start a nonprofit organization to help other women do the same because I don't think it's fair for just um, me to just enjoy the world and other women like looking at my Instagram and wishing they were wishing they were me and I want them to just have their own experience doing it. So uh, that's basically who I am at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. You said this is your fifth year teaching in Korea. What? Um, well, actually, no. Actually, I'll get back to that. Before moving to Korea, like, had you traveled internationally before? Like, what was the beginning of that for you? I traveled a lot as a kid mm-hmm. um, with my parents. So, you know, family vacations. We would go to, like, different states. And um, when I was six, I went to Mexico. We went during hurricane season. I just never forgot that. That was pretty interesting. Mm. Um and then I went to Canada as a teenager, and in high school I went to Spain and France. Um, that's that's for another conversation. That was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, also in high school, I got really into K-pop, which is kind of embarrassing, but whatever. Um, I saw this K-pop star, and I thought, oh my god, he's hot. Who's that? Oh, what language is this? And that basically changed my whole life, to be honest. Uh, When I went to college, I got my degree in Asian studies, uh, studied abroad in Korea um, in 2012, my senior year of college. um, I fell in love with the country and came back in 2014 and just started teaching and living here. Wow, that's cool. Um, Yeah. So you've gotten your feet wet, I guess, in in different places here and there, but Korea was the place that really, like, intrigues you and um I, I i think i went overboard with it because um <laughs> i was international i was an international baccalaureate student mm-hmm. and i don't know if you know anything about that program but it's pretty intense it's like being in college before you get to college and mm-hmm. uh you know we had these long essays like 20 page essays and stuff that we had to do and i just did everything on korea or anything that involved any surrounding countries or anything involving um, that and I remember I had this uh, project where I had to um, I don't remember the details but I just remember forcing everyone to listen to K-pop for like 10 minutes in class <laughs> 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 it 
Like, I was like, you all are going to love this. You're going to love it. Like, but I know there's some other uh, girls or some other women out there who have that interest in other cultures, whether it's Korea or um, Chinese culture or whatever. So, especially the high school girls, I really want to give them a chance to get exposed to that and see if that's what they want to do, um, if this is a part of who they're going to become later. Mm-hmm. Which is why I really... Um, wanted to create a nonprofit organization. And I didn't say this earlier, but this is definitely going to be for, like, research and educational purposes. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, if, if someone is really interested in, I don't know, cooking, that's the first thing that comes to mind because I love food. Um, if someone's really interested in cooking, but they want to um, see how Indian people do it. She wants to get into, like, the proper chili and how it develops in one environment compared to the next and how that completely changes the taste uh-huh. of a meal like that's pretty fascinating so i just want to help women like that get out there and do their thing yeah so, so it's not necessarily yeah. like they don't necessarily have to be like in a like in a course or a traditional program uh, it just it has to be like an educational pursuit or like a research focused pursuit I would prefer them to have some kind of um, program that they're enrolled in, like if they want to study abroad at a university Mm -hmm. or they want to study a language somewhere, but that's where the educational part comes in. But if it's like for research purposes, like you really just want to research this particular thing in another country that has nothing to do with an actual education program there because maybe it doesn't exist. If you can write out a proposal and explain it to me in a um, well thought out and compressed way, like I'll totally approve it. Yeah. And they get funding for it. That's my thing. Because I, I know that I was that student that um, I wanted to study programs that didn't exist. I, I, there were certain programs I needed that just weren't there for me. Mm. So. I'm totally into like when they're like creating their own thing and going out there and finding out the information they want to find out. Yeah. Have you been able to start like helping um, women achieve goals like that? Are you still in the process of developing uh, the organization? Okay. So I have an issue at the moment. It's mm-hmm. with the bank. I obviously made a bank account in order to start it, and they're saying that they don't really particularly like. The idea of the nonprofit or the mission of it, they think it doesn't, it's not suitable um, to be called a nonprofit. Um, so we're currently just trying to work things out with this bank, but if it doesn't, um, I'm just going to have to sign my power of attorney over to my secretary in America because I'm going to be like CEO and running it from career. Um, but of course, it'll be like someone working from home like to handle it. Um, I'm going to sign power of attorney over for a little bit uh, just to um, so she can like go to another bank for me and sign some stuff for me so we can get this rolling. Yeah. Um, because I hate that this has been on pause for like a month. So, because things were rolling, things were in motion, and all of a sudden the bank was like, hey, how do you like this? Hmm. So, this is a Korean bank that's uh, giving you issues? Oh, no, it's an American one. So, oh, okay. I established America before I left. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. so I'm going to be, um, yeah, that's how that works. Oh, okay. Because I was wondering when I uh, first saw you uh, mentioning it on, online, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, I didn't know if maybe you had to 
like is it registered in Korea? Is there like something you have to do on the on the like the Korea side of it since that's where you're based in order to have this organization? Um, but, no, um, from what I read online and how I was doing it, I have to register it uh, with the state that I was living in, which is Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got the papers and stuff for it. It's just like the bank account is like one of the last missing pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. And then I can finally start like putting money in the bank and then like giving it to the women who need it. Yeah, so I'm going to give this like another month or two. Um, to like make sure the that settles or whatever so I can finally start helping women that's what I really want to do yeah I'm sure it'll all come together um and you mentioned having a secretary so it's like a team it's not just you running this this organization putting this together yeah so like um when you start a nonprofit organization you have to have a board mm. and at least have two members um so I just those two people I trusted, put them on the board, and voila. Okay, so there's three of you then on this on this team, including yourself. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, I know you said that you wanted to help other women have the same experiences that you've had. What led you? To, what pushed you to actually like start this organization? Like, was it living abroad for a time that made you want to do it, or was it an idea that you had had for a while? So what really inspired me to do it, um, I'm an entrepreneur at heart, mm-hmm. but I feel like um, just doing straight business is not for me because um, I feel like running a business, is, you have to be a little heartless and emotional, emotionless, whereas like a nonprofit, um, I can help people, I can give, you know, rather than just take and make some kind of profit. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was one of the number one thing. Um, another thing is um, I have a blog mm-hmm. called Gina Coach Korea. <laughs> I tell everything on the blog. Um, uh, whether it's from like a crazy date I had with a guy or um, the students I've had, um, the things I've seen while traveling, um, the learning experiences I've had, things I've learned about myself, I put all of that on the blog and um, a lot of women were reading it and telling me like, wow, this is a great realization you had or oh my god, this is a funny story and I want women to go out there and experience things for themselves instead of just living through my story. And I know that everyone's not going to have the same experience. Because for some reason, every time I go somewhere, something crazy happens. But, you know, maybe that won't happen for the next woman. You know, maybe they won't get stopped or, you know, <laughs> find bloody handprints on their hotel room. Oh, God, that was terrifying. Yeah. Where did that happen? Oh, my God, that happened in Italy. Oh, wow. Um, and the, the funny thing about it is uh, I didn't notice it until the lights were turned off. Yeah, like, it was just like a vague, like, you could see these vague handprints, and I was just like, oh, oh, my, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of stuff, but um, I just want women to go out there and be like, hey, um, maybe I can have a better time with Dina, you know? <laughs> Crazy stuff. Since you've been there for a few years now, like, how is it for you? Yeah. How are you enjoying living in Korea or are there parts that you're not enjoying? Like, overall, how, is, how has it been for you? I like analogies. So, you know, no. Big one. Um, Korea is kind of like my annoying husband that I love, and I just can't ever divorce. Like, I get something from Korea that I can't 
get from anywhere else, mm. I think. Uh, Korea feels like home for me. Korea, I think another reason why I love Korea so much is because this is where I grew up. I became an adult. Mm -hmm. I learned how to take care of myself. And then doing it in another country is like a whole different ballgame anyway. Um, so, and then also learning how to network and just appreciating those around you and connecting with people who don't look like you, who don't uh, have the same native tongue as you, but they still treat you like your family and, you know, um, quick, really quick short story. Um, I had a cancerous tumor here in Korea that the doctor found back in, I think it was 2016, February 2016, and I remember going home to my apartment just bawling like, oh my God, what have I done <laughs> to get this and um, I talked to one of my friends on the phone and I also talked to my mom yeah but uh, I talked to one of my friends on the phone and I just really remember what he said he said hey you know there's a surgery you can do to remove this right away get it done keep going you still got a lot to live you are right sir so uh, I remember going to the hospital and them telling me I had already taken like two days off of work using my vacation day for it. I went there and they said, oh, your, um, your surgery is going to be like next week, not like in those days that you thought it was scheduled for. And I was like, what? But you told me it was going to be on the day. Yeah, sorry. And it, your surgery isn't that important. And I'm like, but this is a cancerous tumor. Like, what the, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that was result. And the previous year, I had taught in the city called Pohang, which is like near Busan, it's in the southern part of the country. I made a call to one of my adult students who's a doctor, and I told him what was going on, and he said, hey, just come down to Pohang, we'll take care of you, everything will be fine. I hopped on the train, got there, saw um, another doctor that's like a friend of my doctor's, and he said, hey, when do you want the surgery? You want it tonight? You want it tomorrow? You want it the next day? When do you want it? Oh! Oh, that's great. Let's schedule it. And everything was taken care of. It was actually a quick procedure. Boom. So I, I told that story to show... Oh, why did I tell that story? <laughs> just Korea just taught me, like, um, as I said before, like, you can have a family away from family. And you can survive on your own. You, um, I guess, like I was saying earlier, being a sheltered child, I don't need my mommy and daddy to save me. Every time something bad happens, I can save myself. And uh, with the help of others, of course. And I... I want other women who feel like they can't do that to discover that they can. I don't want them to get cancer, of course, mm -hmm. but, you know. Thank you for sharing that story. That's uh, You're okay now, also? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. yeah um, that's what I'm saying. Like, Korea, I've been through a lot in Korea. I was, the year before that, I was hit by a car. What? <laughs> yeah, I was, like, walking to work. And this car just drove right into me. He wasn't going that fast, but it was fast enough to give me a limp for a while. And needed some um, therapy. And I actually still taught a class after that. Um, yeah. You still went <laughs> to work after getting hit by a car? Oh, my gosh. That, I mean, well, that's what Korea does to you. But, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to say that's what I've heard, like the work ethic and 
the days off and everything, it's like, uh, I guess you kind of get used to the work culture. You know what, it wasn't so much that, it's just, um, in Pohang, I really loved my students, mm -hmm. and I knew that no one else could um, teach the class at the moment, and I didn't want them to lose money, so I was just like, yeah, I could sacrifice an hour or two, let's do it. Um, and I, I walked into class limping. I had just got done crying too, but you know, I had to fix my makeup and I walked in and said, hey, look like in English. And my students were like, Gina, you look terrible. Oh, I just got, by, I just got hit by a car, but I'm okay. Came to page 55. What? You know? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's just the type of person I am. Um, the second hour though, I did tell my boss, hey, it's just starting to hurt now. I think I was like in shock at first, so mm -hmm. I didn't like feel it much. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in, in that second hour, I really started feeling it. And I said, hey, can I, can I go to the hospital, please? So, oh, hey, one second. And he talked to some guy in Korean. And then he went back to me. Oh, yeah, what did you want? And I said, oh, yeah, I, I just like to go to the hospital because I was hit by a car. Oh, well, that guy I just talked to, uh, he, he just signed up for your class and... Yeah, just teach him for like another hour or two and um, then we'll take you to the hospital. Oh my goodness. I, there were no words for how I felt at that moment. I was like, what in the world, man? Are you serious? And then I went in and it was just like a private lesson. I talked to this guy who's like in his early 20s. The first two minutes I explained, hey, I'm sorry if I like moan and groan a little bit during this lesson. I was pretty hurt. And I told him what happened and he laughed in my face. <laughs> you were hit by a car. <laughs> Teacher, something bad happened to me too. Oh, what was that? I lost my phone. What? Huh? Right. That compares to getting hit by a car, right? Okay. Uh, I know I'm making creative sound and look really bad right no, now. No, no. Um, <laughs> I've had some really bad bosses, but it was always the students that took care of me. Yeah. So, like, um, my students were the ones that, like, stuck up, stuck up for me. Like, hey, like, she's hurt. Take her to the hospital. They see that I'm really sick like I am now. Like, they'll say, hey, teacher, here's cough drop for you. Oh, you're not a devil. I love you. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, there's ups and downs. Just like I said, I, I feel like being in Korea is like a marriage. It's not always going to be perfect, and you're going to have moments where you're just going to have to forgive and forget. Like, a lot of negative things happened to me, and it started, like, turning me against Korea, which is why I actually left last October, mm. and I I needed a break. Yeah. I felt like I needed a break. Um, so, you know, I went traveling around Europe, and went to Egypt, and hopped down to South America just to say I touched every continent. Mm. Before I left, started loving, uh, falling in love with Korea again because I started looking at other people who took full advantage of their time here, mm -hmm. you know, who, you know, made it work for them. Yeah. Having a sense of community and just making it for themselves here, and I realized I wasn't really like I should have. Mm. So that's one of the reasons why I decided to come back and give it a third shot. <laughs> yeah, um, so now I'm just trying to get out more, uh, connect with more people, and just stay positive about anything, because this is a privilege. It's a privilege to live in Korea. It's a privilege to be able to tell my story and encourage others to get out there and, you know, write their own story, tell their own, you know. Yeah.
I have friends that are sitting in Chicago that are kind of miserable listening to Trump every day. I have the pleasure of like turning that off mm-hmm. because I, yeah, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's about it. Okay, all I have to say. Yeah, you said you uh, were kind of um, inspired to give it a, another try, seeing how yeah. other people were making the best out of their time in Korea and uh, yeah. finding communities for themselves. Is there, other than like Gina International, um, is there something? Do you have ideas for things that you really want to do in Korea? I want to finally master this language. Mm. And it's embarrassing to say that I've been living in this country for almost seven years, in and out, and I still haven't mastered the language. Mm. That's embarrassing to me. And it's partially not my fault <laughs> because, right, well, because when I do try to speak Korean outside of uh, work, uh, like, for example, I'll go to McDonald's and I'll say, cheeseburger uh, sale, which is like, please give me a cheeseburger. And they will answer me in English, your total is 3,000 Would you like a drink for that? You're not helping me. You're not helping me learn your language. Don't you want more people to learn your language? You know, like, the Korean is a beautiful language. Yeah, it is. It is. Too, it's always been my dream to, like, go on one of the reality shows here mm. like I, i've always wanted to do that or be a guest star in a drama oh, yeah. <laughs> and i don't know like i did want to start some kind of program where i have more women of color come to korea um and do some kind of language and cultural exchange with like other korean women um because I still feel like they don't interact with, they still have this idea in their head that if all Americans are white, mm. I want more of a cultural exchange and build a cultural bridge between more American minorities. Uh, but I feel like that's what the nonprofit is kind of going to do. Yeah. So, I don't know, I'm still thinking about that. But yeah, those are like the top three things I really want to get done. The language, the cultural bridge, and um, it on TV. Yeah. It's possible. <laughs> that's that all yeah. that sounds like really cool things that i do hope that you get to do yeah i mean sure it's been a few years but everyone's pace is different you know um about the so i didn't ask this question because it was like obvious to me but just for people who might be wondering why uh with the um with gina international and the the kind of cultural exchange thing that you're thinking about why uh, are you focused on women? Uh, why is that really important to you to help women get to travel and have these experiences? You educate a woman and you give her all these educational experiences, whether it's like life lessons or actually actual lessons in the classroom or whatever. Mm-hmm. We are the ones that um, can affect others the most in our community. So that's one of the main reasons why I see a lot of myself and these young girls today um, who really want to get out there and I was afraid to travel mm. like it's, it's easier um, we always think that it's easier for men to travel they're men and they're most likely not going to get attacked or whatever but you know the countries I went to where I thought like really bad things were going to happen it didn't mm. and it's because I took proper precautions and I listened to my Indian female friends when they told me hey don't go here do this. don't do that you know um, so I just want other women to know it's possible for them to go wherever they want. Um, 
I, we do have to take a few extra precautions because we are women and, you know, every, everyone doesn't see us the same way. I'm always afraid, <laughs> but I push myself to do it anyway. I, I push myself to do it anyway because I know on the other side of fear is just this feeling of just, you, you, you literally feel like you're queen of the world. Mm. Kind of like, I don't know, I've heard that um, Will Smith gave about skydiving. Before you do it, you're like terrified, and after you do it, you're like, oh, this is nothing. I was scared for no reason. And skydiving in New Zealand, I had that same experience. Mm. <laughs> if there's a place you really want to go and there's something you really want to see, don't let anything stop you from doing it. Because yeah. I, I don't let anything stop me. Like, even with Korea, before I went for the first time, my own father told me, do not go. It's nothing. You might get bombed. And um, for some reason, he thought I was going to fail because he thought the curriculum was different mm. or something like that. And he said, you're not going to pass your classes? <laughs> yeah. Thank you for your concern, Father, and I love you, but I'm still going. Yeah. So, you know, proved him wrong, and then, you know, he took all that back and was like, oh, my God, I'm so proud of you, my child. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I just don't want women to stop them from anything, even if it doesn't have anything to do with traveling. Like, whatever women want to do or whatever fear they might have, then that's fine. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm about. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you mentioned being in Pohang before, and then are you, are you like in Seoul area now? Is that where you're located? Okay, so here's how it's going. Um, so I'm, uh, my first year teaching, I was in Pohang, mm -hmm. which is like an hour and a half north of Busan. Mm -hmm. Then I moved up to Seoul, and I taught in this area called Dongno for a year. The last two years, I was living in Gangnam. Um, where is it called? Oxygen. I taught in Oxygen, uh, which is like a really fancy area or whatever. Now I'm I'm in a place that's near Gangnam, and I really miss Gangnam. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of one of those places. Like once you live there, you you can't live anywhere else. Hmm. Yeah, okay. just it's just not Gangnam. Yeah, not Gangnam. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't compare to Gangnam. It's, it's Gangnam, but not Gangnam. Yeah, it's it's near it. It's trying to be Gangnam, but it's like, hey, you're trying to be something you're not. <laughs> Whatever. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's kind of like what I've been in Korea. Okay. Um, and then when you when you went to Korea to study abroad, where in Korea were you? I was in Seoul. Okay. I Seoul. Um, I studied at a university called Sunyang, or as Americans might pronounce it, Sukmyung, uh Women's University. Okay. So it's in Youngstown. It's pretty much like the central part of Seoul. Uh, you know, I probably should not have come to, come back to Korea after that. Why not? I broke a toe like the first month. What? Uh, for foreign students at women's at women's universities, uh, they allow male students from other countries. So like, uh, I had played soccer for four years in high school. So. When this German guy was like, play soccer with me, I was like, yeah, I'll play soccer with you. I'm not pretty. <laughs> and I went up against him, and we kicked the ball at the same time. And I don't know exactly or how it happened, but my toe kind of went inside of itself. <laughs> it was My big toe was broken. And you really realize how much you need and miss your big toe until it gets broken. Mm -hmm. And then um, even before that, 
no one had told me about the 24-hour culture, 24-hour cafe and convenience store culture in Korea. Universities, they have um, curfews. So, like, at midnight, you're locked out. The university people thought it would be cool to take us out to a club. And that kind of music makes me sleepy with a douche, 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 douche. It's a relaxing music. So. No, it was raining, and um, I was with three other friends, and we couldn't get into our dorms. We didn't know where to go. We tried to go into the library, but because we had one male student with us, we couldn't go in because they thought he would be a pervert or something. Yeah. So we just kind of stood out in the rain until 5 a.m. Oh singing goodness. the American National Anthem. <laughs> yeah, we were like, oh, we miss America so much right now. Yeah. Wait, you said someone from the university <laughs> took y'all out past curfew hours and then you couldn't? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They thought we wanted to stay out until 5 a.m. because they, they had this thing in their head that um, foreigners like to party all night long, or at least back there. And I was like, oh, not this foreigner. So uh, anyway, um, yeah, we were out in the rain. Uh, yeah, I went through some stuff at the university. Uh, everyone got a buddy, something called a buddy, um, and she's supposed to help you out with any issues you have, like setting up a phone. Uh, getting a phone plan and all that stuff and she just abandoned me oh no and especially after my toe was broken she didn't come to visit me or anything and she would always like tell me oh on facebook oh hey i'm busy so i can't help you and i thought oh okay i understand mm. But then I would go on Facebook and see her partying with the Chinese students. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, you little evil person. Mm. So, yeah, that was tough. Um, yeah, and then even with the classes, I guess my dad was partially right. Because some of the university professors did not want to teach in English. Mm. They didn't want to teach in what English, even though taking? they were... Actually, I was trying to study um, hospitality management because I was running a cafe in college um, with some friends, and I wanted to learn things from a different perspective. So I wanted to study hospitality management there, and she wanted to kick me out of the class because she felt that the Korean students didn't know enough English to learn the terminology or something like that. So you were in a class, and the teacher could have taught in English, but didn't think the other students would be able to keep up and wanted you out of the class because it would be easier for her to teach it in Korean? Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. And then the other professor, she just put English on her resume just to make herself look good. She didn't speak any English at all. Like, Mm. it was really bad. Like, I had one student translating for me, and I had to change my major at the university to just Korean studies and just leave it at that. Which was fine. I loved learning more about Korean culture, but it was just kind of disappointing. Yeah. I talked to the president of the university at the end of it, because there were like a slew of other issues that were going on at that university. I was the only one that was really vocal about it, and um, the other foreign students came to me and said, hey, here's a list. Do you think you can show this to the president when you go meet her? I was like, yeah, sure. And... Uh, after I talked to her, she seemed really open and um, willing to hear what we had to say. And I didn't really get to see the changes because I left after that. Um, but uh, apparently the others saw a big change and they were happier at the university. Okay. Yeah. They had an impact. 
<laughs> a little bit. Yeah. How long were you there? I was only there for a semester. I can imagine how how difficult it was for me to graduate when I went back to America yeah. and I had to tell them that all of my classes had to be changed. Mm. I had to go around and get people to sign stuff and then a few professors like, hey, this is good, let me graduate on time, you know. Yeah, um, but I made it work. Everything worked out, mm-hmm. so it's all good. Yeah. Wow, that's so, like, I'm sure you weren't expecting things to be that way when you got there and then you had to change Not at everything, all. you know. Not at all. Um, I did get to have at least one entrepreneurial experience while I was there um, at the university. Uh, do you know those Letterman jackets that mm-hmm. some universities have? Yeah. It's like a big thing here. And I remember in November, back when my, uh, after my toe got better, I was walking around campus, and I saw all the girls with all these pretty Letterman jackets and different colors and stuff like that, and pretty writing, and I thought, I want one. <laughs> and uh, the, Koreans, uh, the Korean students said, oh, we sent out an email about it, but you didn't respond. And then I said, it was in Korean. How was I supposed to know? <laughs> So I just uh, got all the four students together, and I said, hey, who needs a letterman jacket? And they were just like, oh, I do. I said, hey, I'm going to go find someone to make these jackets for us. Um, tell me what you want on them. And I collected the money. I went to the guy. I had to negotiate with him in Korean and English because his English wasn't the best. But, hey, we got it done. Yeah. We got it done. And, oh, God, I remember picking up. It was only, like, 20 jackets. But I remember picking up like 20 jackets by myself in these giant garbage bags and then hauling them over to the university and then just giving them out to people. <laughs> ah, wow. man, I do too much. I do way too much. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but I care a lot, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's me. It's good to care. It's good to care. Where, where do you feel like your entrepreneurial spirit comes from? Have you always been that uh, way? Definitely came from my father. Uh, he um, he owns a real estate company, um, and he's always taught me the value of money and like you know the three S's of money: spend some, save some, share some. So that really just kind of got ingrained in me as a child, and I always kind of secretly loved money. My favorite toy was a cash register. So yeah, like I, I love money. Yeah. So uh, I think when I was about five or six, back when my mom was like taking me to church a lot, uh, I made these scrunchies at home and my dad said, hey, why don't you sell them at your church? Oh, good idea, father. And I, you know, that's when it started. Like I started selling these scrunchies at church and by the time I got to fourth grade, I became like, um, I know in some neighborhoods they have like the candy lady. I was the candy girl. come to my house and I would say, hey, what do you want? You know, some Reese's Puffs, you know, I got Sour Patch, what do you need? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I need, you know, I became that person. Um, so that's just kind of always been there. Yeah. I felt like I lost a little bit of that uh, when I came to Korea the second time as a teacher because I just got really into just teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I remember I didn't go home for about three years, and when I came home, you know, I talked to my dad, and he said, did you, did you start a business or something over there? So, oh, no, I, I didn't. He's like, oh, you lost your entre- entrepreneurial spirit, huh? Aww. My dad is very blunt. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's an interesting character. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, uh, 
something about when you really get into work culture over here, you just kind of lose the passions that you used to have. Like I, I started, I stopped painting, I stopped singing, I stopped doing a lot of stuff that I used to do. Um, but that trip home was good for me because it, it reminded me like who I was before I left. So you know, now I'm trying to sing more. I'm trying to uh, get back into art a little bit more, and then um, that's why the nonprofit came up. Yeah, you know, like I I got to get back into that. That's that's a part of who I am. I'm not completely happy if I'm not doing something to help others. Yeah, have a little money involved. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that that break was really beneficial for you in a lot of ways. Definitely. Yeah. Not indulging in your passion is kind of like, it's like you're not loving yourself. Mm -hmm. That's a really important part of who you are as an individual, as your unique self, your unique spirit. So um, that's why I'm just trying to make sure I maintain that. Yeah. And um, sorry, I'm just thinking about uh, when you mentioned moving to Korea to teach and you, you moved to Pohang. Was that like your your first choice did you have a preference when it came to location when you moved to korea or is that just where you ended up you know what the honest answer or the sugar coated there i guess you can be honest it's you know. okay because <laughs> <laughs> uh, like everyone isn't ready for the truth okay so of course i wanted to live in seoul again because uh, that's where all of my college memories were however it felt like back in uh 2015 when I was looking for work, it felt like they didn't really want to hire a person who wasn't white. Um, that was a big thing. Color was a big thing. Um, I remember my recruiter telling me, hey, I know you really want the job, but they specifically asked for a white person. A white woman, yeah. That was kind of painful. Uh, and I thought, hey, the important thing is that I just be in Korea. And, you know, maybe this could be a good opportunity for me. Uh, so I just worked with Pong. Um <clears throat> Also, any women who's uh, listening to this uh, and want to keep a job where they're so willing to just have you at a moment's notice. Never. Mm. There's always an issue with that. If they're desperate for a teacher, there's a reason mm. for it. Um, so the job I took, um, to be honest, that was the job that gave me the best students. Like, I, I still love them to this day. I still try to go to Pohang and visit them when I can. But the previous teacher left 10 months into his contract. Mm. 10 months, and I'm like, come on, man, you had two more months, and you, you're out? Mm -hmm. And he lied to me. He said, oh, I'm just going to get engaged and married back at home. And I thought, uh, that is a good excuse. I don't trust it, but whatever. <laughs> and after, after like really like doing it for like a week or two, I completely understood why he left. Mm -hmm. Like the organization, how things are put together. It, it has any difficult teaching job you have in Korea. It's not even about the students. It's about the administration and how organized mm -hmm. they are. Yeah. And when they're not organized, when they don't have their stuff together, that's going to be a difficult job for you. Yeah, it's always. That's just always how I felt. Also, um, to add on to that, uh, the previous teacher, I think he was angry and was trying to like get some revenge on the boss by leaving the apartment dirty. Oh no! As in, so I had to clean it. I had to clean it, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I was sick 
that night from like all the bleach I used. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but to be honest, like um, I'm so glad that I, I'm so glad that I chose that job um, because the moments I had with my students, uh, the moments I had there with my students, are priceless. I wouldn't be changing for the world. Um, so, and I learned a lot in that one year about myself as a teacher, myself in general, and yeah, everything. So, it's all good. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I remember, because, um, you know, we're in, we're in the same Facebook group, and I think I first saw you commenting about, uh, there's like discussion about people saying, you know, when are you going to come back home or when are you going to get a real job or when, what's after career or whatever. And you were saying how that's that's like ridiculous or whatever, uh, which I totally get. I'm wondering where you see yourself like in terms of staying in Korea. Do you want to be a lifer? Are you not trying to put a time limit on anything? Are you just, you know, you're obviously enjoying your time there and are not in a rush to leave. So, like, how do you envision your life in Korea going forward? I'm definitely a lifer. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, I try to leave. And every time I leave, I miss Korea. Like, I miss my lifestyle here. And so, like I said, it's I keep going back to that husband thing. I keep saying, <laughs> I feel <laughs> it's like, hey, you annoy me, but I love you too much to, like, leave you. Because I get so much more... Um, in return, but the positives uh, definitely outweigh the negatives, especially living in Ghana. Yeah. And um, where do I see myself? I definitely want to have one of those nice apartments in Ghana pretty soon. Um, but I want to, I want it to be a place where, like, uh, like I'm gonna have my own. Maybe it'll be like a three or four bedroom apartment. It'll be nice. Everything will be like dazzling like in the magazine and it. but at the same time the other three veterans I want to use that for women who want to travel to Korea and they don't have a place to stay and they want to do their research um, in Seoul or whatever or if they want to like uh, you know just have a home base in the country so, like if they need to go to another city for a couple of days you know they know that they still have uh, the place, my place to stay at um, so I don't want to just have a nice apartment for myself like I want it to be like a place where other women can use it um, that are involved with my nonprofit. Another thing about Korea is this is the safest place I've ever been and I've ever been to. This is the only country that I know that I can walk outside at 3 a.m. to buy myself a beer, drink the beer on the street, and go back home and know that nothing is going to happen to me. Like 90 to 95% nothing's going to happen to me. I, I love that freedom I feel here knowing that um, I can exist without worrying someone, uh, worrying about someone touching me, mm-hmm. if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So that's, that's probably the main reason why I chose to stay in Korea, because of the safety mm-hmm. and the convenience. <laughs> I love how I can have a pizza at my door. I could like, order it on my phone, and then, ding dong, here's your pizza. I don't know how you did that, and I question it, but I'm taking it. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. When you go to countries like Italy, not to offend anyone or hurt anyone's feelings who loves Italy, where everything is slow, everything is far, and it's just not convenient at all. Like, you you really appreciate countries like Korea. Yeah. So, I need to write a blog about that country. (laughs) 
Oh my god. <laughs> I was I was gonna declare war on that country. Like seriously, like they Oh wow. <laughs> really real quick thing about Italy really mm-hmm. quick. I met nice people in Italy, specifically Venice. I really like that, but in Rome, I have never met so many people that just seem to hate me for no reason. Mm. I don't think they hated me. They just, I don't know, it's like they just had a, they weren't very hospitable. Mm. And um, I went into this one restaurant. Uh, I didn't have my makeup on. I had my pajamas on. I was tired. Long story short, I was supposed to fly to Brazil that morning didn't work out visa issues so i go into this restaurant and they looked at me like oh my god what are you what are you doing in here ew and like i was some kind of i don't know if they thought i was some african immigrant from a poor country or something. i don't know what they were thinking but i didn't like it and I and i was speaking english to them and they were acting like um they didn't understand me I, I remember asking this lady and looking her dead in the eye, do you do takeout? Like, can I take this to go? And she just completely was like, oh, yeah, I'm not talking to you. Anyway, the person behind you, what would you like? And I was like, are you serious? So I immediately wanted to, like, yell out the R word, racist. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I said, wait, let me give it another shot. Let me see what happens. Because I like doing experiments mm-hmm. like this, social experiments. So I went in the next day with my hair up, makeup all together. I had uh, my nice coat on, my nice clothes, my nice shoes, and I went in there looking all sparkly and whatnot. And um, as soon as I walked in, hello, how can we help you? Oh my God, what can I do for you? And I thought, oh, you didn't speak to me yesterday. You were quite rude to me yesterday. Oh, 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 that was you? <laughs> yeah, that was me. <laughs> and I, I look like a totally different person, but that was me, honey. You know, so uh, after that, their attitudes completely changed to me, uh, towards me. Like, they, every time I came in there, in there, makeup or not, they were nice to me. They were kind to me. And I was like, yeah, I, I know you're trying to make up for it, but I'm still going to blog about <laughs> it. Because you're going to get it for being jerks. Mm-hmm. Yes. There was another shop down the street that only sold gelato, but it did. It didn't matter what I was wearing or how I looked. They were always super nice mm. to me, and I ate gelato every day because of it. <laughs> like, oh, I'm gonna support your business. I like y'all. Yeah. So um, that's that's why I have like a thing against Italy because stuff like that happens more than once. And when I talk to like my white friends who go there, they have a completely different experience I bet they do. compared to yeah. mine. That's why I'm going to send more black right. women to Italy. <laughs> so, I'm going to be like, no, no, we're here. Yeah. We're here. Like, you're going you're gonna to treat us nicely. Mm-hmm. Like, get used to it, honey. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. Yeah, this, it's for all women, but I, I definitely have a soft spot for women that look right. like me, of for course. sure. So, oh, a couple yeah. questions I had about the, the nonprofit that I forgot to ask. So you're targeting mostly like American women, American students right now? So American women uh, between the ages of 16 and 30. That's what I'm going to do it for uh, right now. After it grows, I want to expand it if I possibly can. Um, I haven't really thought that far. I feel like um, starting with America, that's that's huge enough. That's a big enough task. So I'm going to start there. Um, Later, I do want to extend the age to maybe like 50 or 60 or something mm-hmm. like that because there are 
older women who don't have the means to study abroad who would like to have that experience yeah. as well. So um, I I want to do that. I want to make sure um, as many women as possible get the chance to do it. And I don't I honestly don't care what color someone is or where they come or where they come from. But it is for underprivileged women, women who don't get enough chances or get enough scholarship money for it. So that's usually a minority women, so I'm definitely going to um, help them out because I was out yeah. once, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, I was a government scholar for um, Korea when I first came, and if I didn't have that, if I didn't have that scholarship, uh, I wouldn't have gone to Korea the first time, but I just noticed after doing my research, there's not a lot of scholarships that are specifically for women to travel and study abroad. There's not a lot of that. And the numbers are increasing for uh, women who are traveling and studying abroad, and I just want to make sure um, I play a role in helping those women do that. Yeah, for sure. Another thing that kind of inspired that uh, was I applied for a Fulbright scholarship. Mm -hmm. That was before the Pohang incident. Uh, I was trying to, I wanted to earn a master's degree in Seoul at this university, but I didn't get approved for the Fulbright. I passed the first round, but not the mm -hmm. second. I don't know if I looked at the numbers incorrectly or not, but it looked like no one got the scholarship that mm -hmm. year. There were like, I think there were like 12 spots, and there was like a big zero next to the 12, and thought, oh, oh wow, okay, that's, that's pretty messed up. I was really banking on that, like I really wanted yeah. that and I didn't get it and that was another reason that just kind of inspired me to start the nonprofit. I was like, no, I, I want women to be like, hey, even if I don't get this scholarship, at least I have the you know, international travel grant to back me up if that's not going to happen. I don't, I don't want people to be like, oh, well, I can't go just because of this. No, there's a way. Yeah. So, Options. Do you, um, with the grants, like how often and to how many different people are you planning to uh, to give these grants out to on a regular basis? Okay, so since um, it's at the, like, the beginning stage, I think I'm going to just shoot for twice okay. a year. Once for the fall and then once for the spring. Then when it gets rolling, I just wanted to... Uh, just to give them maybe once a month because maybe you have a special program that's not on the semester mm -hmm. plan. Maybe it's for something else. So uh, that's what I plan to do with it. Also, um, I plan to give at least up to 5000 per um, awardee. $5,000 at least. Um, maybe it'll be more in the future, but for now, at least 5000 So um, I feel like that uh, for Dow, it would be more like a supplementary thing. So maybe, <coughs> kind of like for me, maybe uh, the tuition is paid for, the room and board is paid for, but you don't have a way to like pay for your flight mm -hmm. ticket. Or like, okay, you're in the country, but how are you going to eat? Now, okay, um, that's nice you can eat and stuff, but maybe there's an excursion you would like to do um, that you can't really afford because it's not in your budget. You know, like, I believe in making sure you have the full experience when you go because you don't know when you're going to get a Yeah, that's really important. Like you said, you don't know when you get to go again, and you want the, the chance that they do get to go to be the best that it can be. So and I hope that things are able to get going. I know you said at the beginning how you're 
having bank issues right now and it's still in the beginning stages but um just listening to you talk about the vision you have for it even like you said having a, a like a room or, or two where where people can where women can stay when they come to visit korea like uh it just seems like you're very sincere about what you're trying to do and i really hope that everything gets going the way you want it to yeah definitely i just uh i don't want anyone having I want uh, some of the same experiences I had, like the good mm-hmm. ones, but things that could have been avoided, like sitting out in the rain for yeah. a couple hours until your dorm opens up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any other women uh, dealing mm-hmm. with that. I know you have like your your blog and you know Instagram and everything you're trying to do with the nonprofit, uh, but <laughs> just like off the top of your head, thinking about your experiences, the many different experiences you've had uh, traveling-wise. Do you have any advice for anyone who's looking to study abroad or simply travel more? Like, what's the the most valuable advice that you can think of off the top of your head? You don't have to know exactly who you are before you know, but definitely have a good sense of where you come from because people are going to challenge that. Like, I, I remember... Um, feeling kind of lost when I first came to Korea. I know this is really sound messed up. I felt like I didn't really have a culture or like a language that I can tie back to my culture, if that makes sense. Uh, like I was feeling like the way when I first came here because like they have their traditions that go back for hundreds, maybe even, maybe even a few thousand years. And, um, you know, they have their traditional wear, stuff like that. And being an African-American, you know, that was kind of stripped away from us, um, given the history. But, Coming back the second time, like, I really had a better sense of time. I had to remember who I was. Like, I do have a culture. I do. Uh, African Americans do kind of have their own language. We're always, um, you know, creating our own words that the whole world feel like, feels like they need to use. Like, we create pop culture. We're amazing. And I don't care um, where you come from, whatever it is, or wherever you come from, just remember that when you go, so you can be proud of who you are and share what you have as well. That's one thing. Two, um, this is more of a thing that I learned while I was traveling. I had to accept the fact that I accept that I'm a beautiful human being. I don't know, especially in college, I really struggled with that. I felt like I wasn't this beautiful woman um, because I, I'm black. I felt like black women were not treasured enough. We weren't appreciated enough. And I remember writing about this in a college essay and my professor saying, um, I know that you're writing about women of color and how it feels to be a black woman, but you are not a source. Your experience doesn't count because it didn't come from a sexual. You know, and just just stuff yeah. like that. And then like being on a campus where like it's eighty to eighty five percent white you know, and saying, oh, you know, Jessie is beautiful because look at her long blonde hair. And I'm like, oh, I don't have that. You know, but like traveling and just being myself, having my braids, my purple braids that I love, um, and just embracing my curves and my big lips, my broad nose and who I am and just have random people just come up to me out of nowhere, children too, because children have a truth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll just come up to you and say, oh, my God, you're 
beautiful. I was like, oh, well, thank you, honey. Oh, thank you. You know, I remember in Bali, this little girl ran up to me and said, that you are so beautiful. I said, you too, honey. And she said, no, you three. Like, wait, no, no. And she was like, no, you four. I went, oh, wait. No, that wasn't, I'm not offending you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a language barrier issue, but the point is, like, I've, every country I've gone to, pretty much everyone has come up to me and say, like, you're beautiful, and I don't think they were just talking about how I was physically, it, it felt like they saw my spirit, or they saw some kind of aura, aura. I, I just also want women to, like, to, to know and never forget that, like, However you look like and whoever you are, you are beautiful. And don't, don't let any other people around you tell you otherwise. That's good. Traveling actually helps me accept that about myself. I don't care what it is. Everyone is valuable. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Do you have any uh, tips for um, students or even just like people who are traveling? Like how you mentioned you were traveling a lot when you were taking a break from Korea. Do you have any tips, like, financial-wise, how people can fund their their travel journeys? Anything that helped you, has helped you? Whatever number in your head that you have that you think you might need for the trip, add, like, a fourth of that to it. So, like, if you think you need $100 for your trip, add $25 just for cushion money because you just mm-hmm. never know. Like... But I had to stay in Italy for an extra week because I had, like, a visa issue that, of, of course, I was unforeseen, and I wasn't expecting that. Uh, thank God I had the extra cash laying around, or else I would have just been stuck there. So um, always be prepared for stuff like that. And it doesn't have to be expensive. Traveling does not have to be expensive. Just be smart about it. Like, do you really want to stay at this place for $400 a night? Or do you want to use that money to, you know, go see other parts of France or wherever you are? Like, that money could be used for other things. The hotel is important, but uh, just make sure you're spending it the right way. Like, you're not just trying to have, like, this lavish experience. Just being in there is living lavishly enough. That mm, makes yeah. sense. Uh, do your research. I met this lady that told me she spent $200 on a taxi ride from the airport in Venice to her hotel. Also use mm-hmm. common sense. Um, because common sense that just told me, like, mm-hmm. no. No, it's not going to be $200. Like, on Google, it will say, oh, it's probably about $50 from here to here, um, or 50 euros or whatever currency it, it is. Because they will try to pull mm-hmm. one over you doesn't matter where you go, they're going to try to pull one over you. So always just look up prices before you go. Have an idea, read blogs, talk to other people that have gone, so you know that uh, you're not overspending. Also, as an American, I know this sounds bad, but uh, you know how they say something about, like, white privilege, how there's white privilege? There's something called, like, American privilege. I went into a restaurant here in Korea in the city called Daegu, and he looked at me and he asked, hey, where are you from? I said, oh, I'm an American. America? Wow! He gave me everything in his restaurant for like $20. I know that meal was at least $200, and he he only let me pay like $20 for it. He gave me chicken. 
bread, pork, beef. Like, he gave me everything. And sometimes that happens when you're traveling. Oh, you're American. Here's an extra coffee for no reason. Mm. Oh, well, I think, sir, I, I guess. I hope Trump doesn't ruin that for us. But what else? <laughs> 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 yeah, like, I don't... I don't want to say, like, I don't know if I've got to switch to Cadet, Canadian next, like, uh, things, things are hurting me. <laughs> like, I have nothing to do with that, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but anyway, uh, yeah, so just be careful with your money. Always take extra, a little extra, because you just yeah. never know. Very important yeah. to remember. Um, you have traveled a lot, and you're living in Korea now, obviously. Is there anywhere that's on your list of places that you still want to go to, or places you want to go back to? So uh, when you said that, I immediately thought of probably one of my most favorite countries ever. When I think of this country, I want to cry. It's just not because I'm sad. It's, it's like literally like mm-hmm. tears of joy whenever I think of this place. Greece, Santorini specifically. That place is so beautiful that you literally, it's like you have to get on your knees and just, like take it all in and just be like, oh my God, thank you or whatever is out there for this moment. Like that place is so beautiful. The people are so kind and the energy there is just, there are no words for it. That's, that's a place I would love to go back to, um, especially seeing this beautiful full moon rising over the mountain and just shining on you with all its glory. Jesus. God, yeah. uh, so Greece. I definitely want to go back to India. I only went to three cities there, and that's a huge yeah. country. Like, there's so much to explore and to see there. That place has a lot of the energy. A place that I want to go to next is Mongolia and uh, Taiwan, and uh, uh, this country has like two different names. Myanmar, I think it used to be called Burma, mm-hmm. I forgot. Um, I have some friends that are from there, and they talked about their country so much that I, I just want to see it for yeah. myself. Um, so those are, those are like the three countries I really want to go to um, this year. Mongolia, Taiwan, if Taiwan counts as a country anymore. I heard China trying to pick it back. And um, Myanmar, yeah. Oh. Sorry for Cambodia. I had a dream that I was in Cambodia, like like one of those like realistic dreams. And then I woke up and I was like, oh, guess I gotta go there. <laughs> That's actually what happened with Egypt. I had no plans on going to Egypt. Um, and then one morning I woke up and thought, oh, I gotta go there. And you went. And so, <laughs> I did. Oh, I went to Egypt. That was quite the experience. Yeah. Um, actually, actually, the place I really go to next, I can't go to probably until next year uh, because it's really expensive. I want to go to Antarctica. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the last continent. That's the last yeah. continent um, for me, and I want to see all the ice before it melts away. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that sounds bad. I mean, Hopefully, some of the women I help out will find yeah. ways to mm-hmm. help that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I want to Korea is crazy, but, like, they are separated. They're trash. Mm-hmm. So, that's kind of getting me back. Because like, in America, I was just like, oh, this is 
stress, not stress, and you know, not separating it, but here they're trying to be more conscious, so. Yeah. I forgot why I mentioned that, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Antarctica, ice caps melting. Beer. Yeah. <laughs> hey, beer. So, okay. yeah. Good, good. Last question I have for you is where can people find you or keep up with you online if you'd like them to do so? Okay, um, because I'm adjusting to a new job mm-hmm. right now, uh, I haven't been updating a lot of stuff. Uh, but if you want to see some of my recent stories or old things that I've talked about, um, I'm on Instagram. It's Gina.International. Mm-hmm. And that's Gina with a G. My blog which I don't recommend women under 18 to read. If you want to read that, because I have some date stories on there too. Uh, that's Gina Goes to Korea. Um, I think it's at WordPress. Or if you type in Gina Goes to Korea in Google, I'll pop right up. Uh, that and, of course, there's the website, um, Gina International Travel. Uh-oh. I check that again, but it's Gina International Travel Grant. Um, that can also be found on Facebook. Uh, really easy to look me up there. And that's about it. Nothing okay. for now. So Gina dot yeah. International on Instagram. Uh, Gina goes to Korea. Your blog for people eighteen plus. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Gina International Travel Grant the website for for that for the nonprofit, and then did i just yeah. miss one? Oh, you said facebook too that organization is on facebook as well gina international it's, yeah it's on facebook okay. um yeah it's really easy to find okay. yeah um if if people can't find that just go straight to instagram i put everything on instagram or I link it to mm-hmm. instagram well, wonderful. Well, I mean, I'm definitely going to keep following you and seeing how the progress is going, you know, obviously with your travels, but with the nonprofit as well. I hope everything goes wonderfully with that. And um, uh, it was really nice getting to talk to you. I know you're sick and I appreciate you making the time to talk to me while you're recovering from a cold. Oh, no, no. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. And I think what you're doing is really amazing and also giving uh, women like me uh a voice and a platform to speak and share what we're trying to do. So thank Aww. you. Thanks, Gina. That means a lot. That means a lot. Uh, so um, I hope you feel better. <laughs> it's Saturday. Is it still morning? No, it's like <laughs> no- afternoon now, right? Over there? Uh, Saturday, 11.55 a.m. Oh, okay. So I think it worked out. And um, I just hope you have a great weekend and that you feel better. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, thank you as well. Enjoy the rest of your Friday night. Okay. All right. We'll talk to you later. Okay, Gina? Okay. Thank you. Bye. All right, y'all. There it is. Thanks to Gina for being such a wonderful guest. And I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Acast, or Stitcher. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode in two weeks, 
that episode is going to be really special because it is the beginning of us temporarily going back to a weekly release schedule. Yay! <laughs> uh, so basically, the first anniversary of Young Gifted and Abroad will be coming up on Juneteenth next month, June 19th. And uh, counting ahead to the closest Tuesday to that day, uh, I wanted to end this first year of the podcast on a nice, solid number of episodes. And so um, releasing the next four episodes on a weekly basis will have us at 40 episodes for the first year of Young, Gifted, and Abroad, which is so Oh my goodness, I'm so looking forward to celebrating that moment. So, that'll be May 21st, May 28th, June 4th, June 11th, and then on June 18th will be the celebratory episode commemorating the first year of Young, Gifted, and Abroad. I have something special planned that I hope works out, um, but we still have a little over a month for all that. (laughs) Focusing on the next episode, which comes out two weeks from today, I have a, um, not a classmate, but someone who was a couple years ahead of me in the same department uh, when we were in undergrad. Uh, He's a really passionate, a very talented person who uh, got to spend a year in Brazil in high school, which is amazing. (laughs) And then also did an internship in South Africa and has also done some really interesting international things through his line of work. Um, But you'll get to hear all about that in two weeks. But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.